Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we give our takes on all things TV. Just a reminder, because it's the holiday season and we never do this. If you like our podcast, you could, you know, subscribe, tell a friend. You could you could find more of us on our newsletter at doubletake.subsec.com. Uh, so that's my quick little plug. <laughs> we never do. Hi, Jess. Good morning. Good morning. I like that. I like reminding people. I'm excited to talk about what we've been watching. I, I have to tell people in advance, it is mostly Christmas movies for me. <laughs> I don't know if it's like that for you. I've got other things too, but I do want to debrief on some of the Christmas movies that I've been watching. I would love that. I also have a bit of uh, holiday content. And I think a lot of the other stuff that I've been watching is quite honestly stuff we've already talked about. It's just new episodes have come out. I'm, I'm watching a lot of week by week releases currently. So, you know, more of Colin from Accounts, more of Bake Off. We should talk about Bake Off if you're caught up. More of, I actually haven't seen more of The Curse. So we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> It'll come up. I have the same, just a lot of a lot of shows that I've been catching up on. Um, Lessons in Chemistry, although yes. I think we just did we did a whole podcast on that. But yeah, I'm I'm not as caught up as I thought I was now that I'm looking at this list. But Fargo just came out last week. Have you seen it yet? No, no, the one with Juno Temple, like the newest season. Yeah, the new season. I haven't. Did you check it out? I did. I watched there are two episodes. Well, there are three episodes as of today, I think. But I watched the first two and I actually really, really, really liked it. Yes. I'm so glad. I I thought this is the first time you've seen this the series. Yes. Yeah. This is my first watching of the show. I've seen the movie, but none of the previous seasons. But it's an anthology series, so you like don't have to have seen the previous seasons. It was it was interesting because the first episode I was like, is this just the movie? but with different characters. Like it was almost, it was very closely following the plot of the movie. And that was weird to me. Cause I was like, how are they going to sustain this over like eight episodes or 10 episodes? But then with the second episode, they bring in like sort of a twist and new characters and they're developing this whole other plot. And I'm curious to see if the other seasons kind of do that too, where it's like, it's almost the same story initially, but then there's kind of like some other wackiness. So I am probably going to go back and watch whenever I find the time to do that. But the cast of this season is crazy. Juno Temple. Ringers. Yeah. John Hamm. Joe Keery. Lamorne Morris. I, I think I'm missing somebody important, but it's crazy. It's like everywhere you look, I'm obsessed so far. So, I mean, with... Like, fingers crossed that the rest of it is good, but I have high hopes. I'm so happy to hear that. I've only seen, I've seen some episodes. I kind of think, wow, this is, if I'm wrong, sorry. But I do think the first season had that happen as well, where it was pretty close to the movie, but then sort of veered off. Um, but I don't know about any any of the other seasons. I, yeah, I was hoping, I always like when friends find new things that they really like watching. Obviously we talk about this a lot. So like, I always know when you're excited about a show or not, but I had a feeling you would like the shows more than you liked the movie. I know you didn't dislike the movie. I just, it, it's, you know, it's been a while since that came out. We talked about this on a different podcast, like the stuff that it has inspired you really like, but then the movie just sort of felt like, oh, okay. Like I know what this is. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're liking the series. Are you going to watch? Yeah, I think I will. I um, Carter loves the movie Fargo. I liked it. I had a similar reaction as you did. Um, like, I'm glad I've seen it. I'm glad I know what things are referencing. But yeah, I 
I liked the TV show, I think a little bit better, but not enough, obviously, to continue. And this cast is good enough that I will, I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think for me, it's very much the cast because I'm having a lot of fun watching them do insane Minnesota accents. Like just mm, wow, I can't imagine you know truly bizarre. It's so funny. Like the first five minutes of the show, I was like, I'm already hooked. Juno Temple with a crazy Minnesota accent, being like an unhinged like soccer mom. It was like, just watch the first five minutes. You'll know what I mean. It's it's so good. John Hamm, I feel like probably has a good Minnesota accent, just like on the day to day. Why do I feel like he's good at accents? Has he done them in anything else? Probably not. I feel like he does play. A variety of characters like he's definitely he's a dramatic actor but he does sort of like character acting but i can't think of specific accents he's done but he actually does well i don't want to say a lot but he doesn't necessarily live in minnesota okay okay got it <laughs> but there are there are a lot <laughs> of that funny in. accents on this and it's really not important that he that you know where he lives but just to say he <laughs> yeah he's not one of the ones with uh with a funny accent but the woman who plays juno temple's mother-in-law is doing like a Minnesota accent that like switches as she talks or like morphs. And I like can't figure out if it's on purpose or not for comedy or if it's just a bad accent, but it's like honestly cracking me up. Yeah. Is it like Schitt's Creek Moira style? Is she just trying to be, you know, wacky? almost it is akin to that. I hadn't drawn that comparison, but you definitely could. It's toned down though. Cause it's obviously it's less, less of a pure comedy. Mm -hmm. much more dark comedy but there is some like wonky character acting going on in like the best way oh i love it it's nice. so up my alley oh, yeah I'm it is exciting to, to find a show like that mm -hmm. cool, cool, cool. i um i new tv since we last talked virtually non-existent for me except for you know, following up episodes of lessons in chemistry like i said calling from accounts buccaneers tomorrow i'm excited still are you still watching that? Did you watch the most recent? No. Are you like every week you're like stoked when it comes out? Is that like how you're doing this one? Um, Except for today. Usually it's Wednesday and I'm like, I don't remember. And then by the end of the day, I remember, oh my God, yay. I get like a fun little treat. <laughs> so it happens. It, this is the first week where I've looked at the calendar and been like, ooh, tomorrow I get a fun little treat. So not quite anticipating every episode, but you know, still fun. Um, I have with Paramount Plus with my newfound subscription, <laughs> I have, um, been watching a lot more movies. So I watched, I was feeling, I was reading Tress of the Emerald Sea, which if you read our newsletter, you know, that that is a book that I've currently, that I've recently picked up and it has strong Princess Bride energy. And I was like, I have recently watched Princess Bride, but I want something with a similar vibe. And so I watched Stardust, the Neil Gaiman book turned movie. Did you, you've seen that, right? I have read the book, but I have not the seen book. the movie. The movie lives up to at least what I remember of the like general feel of the story. Um, I had a great time. It was just like a nice little fantasy watch and good for adults as well as kids i feel like sometimes when you rewatch kids stuff it's only nostalgic and this was nostalgic and enjoyable in i both cannot ways. remember wanting to watch this at all when it came out and i don't remember why like did it get bad reviews mm -hmm. i think it was like fifth grade so it was maybe you were feeling oh uh it might be a little bit it might be pg-13 or like oh so maybe i wasn't allowed to watch it it's possible <laughs> i definitely haven't seen it 
I will take it under consideration. But if you ever need like a, a fun fantasy flash, you know, like if you're, like I said, if you're wanting the Princess Bride, but you know, for some reason can't watch the Princess Bride, it's a good alternative. Um, it's funny that as a fifth grader, I'm imagining you though, thinking like, well, it must be nothing like the book. I don't want to watch the movie. I mean, that's, I was still like that as a fifth grader. <laughs> Maybe more so. Maybe more of a purist. It's crazy that we watched all of the Harry Potter movies with such zeal. With such zeal. I don't know why I just stumbled over because that. Because they're so different. Yeah. We didn't have that same. But it I like, just felt like, like necessary. The, the magic is still there. I will to this day say there are issues with the movies, especially as mega fans of the books. But nothing felt like watching a Harry Potter movie. Like mm. that was that was just joy. I like you're just in the world. Suddenly it came to life. The score was good. I mean, there were so many elements that were You're so, not wrong. I, I have also like, recently watched three of the Harry Potter movies in the last three weeks. People do that for Christmas and I've that's always like boggled to me. I know that one of the movies, like there's a Christmassy setting in, in the part first of it. one. Yeah. Is it the first? Yeah, where you but get it's, the they're not Christmas movies. No, I watched them between Halloween and Thanksgiving. It felt like a good, like, the uh, leaves are falling off, things are dying. Let me have some magic in the world. I will admit for the public that I actually haven't rewatched the Harry Potter movies in full in, like, maybe 10 years. Like a full I, marathon. Yeah, I don't think I have done a full marathon either. This was, I watched the three that I had seen least recently. I watched six and then the two sevens. Just, I, I don't oh. think I'd ever rewatched those. I don't think I have either. They're not as fun to me. Six like, was fun. Six was like a silly, goofy mood. Well, a six, bit. yeah, no, you're right. Six is funny. So I actually, that's probably the one I've seen most recently because I went through a phase where I was like, I love the comedy in this. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> where he like takes the lucky serums. Yeah. That is, that is, that's funny. It's cool. But the first three are like my little comfort watches. So yeah. like I go through phases where I'll rewatch just a few. But should we talk about Christmas movies or should we? I want to go back yeah. actually for a moment to Colin from Accounts. Because I don't think we've, we didn't do like a deep, dive into it i know you've mentioned you're watching it oh you're right yeah i think caught up on it and it's quite good yay i really like this show it's so well done like it feels low-key very funny like not i would say there is some i almost want to say slapstick humor but not like somehow it is both over the top and low-key and maybe you can do a better job at explaining what I mean here. But like they say they have no filters over what they think or say, um, but it does feel like real people. Like it doesn't feel like car- caricatures of humans that you're watching. I've been trying to figure out how to explain Australian comedy for ever, ever. since I started <laughs> watching this show. But then like knowing I've also I just watched Class of 07 this year and you've seen a lot more than I have. But those are my two introductions into it. And it's so unique but so easily accessible it's not it's not truly bizarre but it's just it's very different from an american sitcom and very different from a british sitcom but i think the way i've decided to describe it is like british sitcoms tend to be super super dry there's a lot unsaid there's a lot of like sitting in awkward moments but there's it's a lot of like restrained dry humor Mm -hmm. sarcasm etc american sitcoms I mean, obviously run the gamut, but tend to be a little bit more like obvious jokes, but nothing too like 
inappropriate. There's a lot of bits and more typical humor, I'd say, more easily accessible to the masses. As a general rule, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of uh, obviously like a, <laughs> a bunch lot of that exceptions. don't fit into this, but exceptions prove uh, that's the how rule, I'll summarize it. And then Australian humor, it feels like they're saying everything that pops into their head. So it's more awkward than American sitcoms because it's not as like polished and like glib and like bits. It's like, oh, that was really awkward that you said that. But then the other person would like call them out for being awkward and like sort of like move along the joke in that direction. Whereas in British humor, it would be like they just sort of like sit in the silence of the awkwardness. Oh, that made more sense in my head. I thought that was no, going to no. be a really good description. <laughs> I get it. It's like they diffuse, they they go for a more awkward joke. There's no, there's much less that is taboo, like you were saying. Like there's just like subject matter or even like a f- ways that you would say things that would not be said in either British or American sitcoms. Um, and they use those and then somehow diffuse them by like yes ending them. But in like, in a way, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, but like, yeah, if someone says something sort of like off base, the other character will be like, that was really messed up of you. And then they'll like keep talking about it, but not in like a confrontation way in a sort of like, whoa, your mind really is dark. Like, yeah, <laughs> almost in a way that ma- makes them feel more real because in American sitcoms, like it is, they are such caricatures because they're just doing bits all the time. And like, right. they're so quirky and unreal. And I feel like in, the shows I've seen so far, again, just the two, but especially in Colin from Accounts, they very much feel like real people who are just, they're in funny situations, but they themselves are more relatable and more grounded than most characters in American sitcoms. I like the fact that the two, I like thinking every once in a while while I'm watching that the two main characters are actual life partners it sometimes doesn't feel like that like the way that they play it is so natural like obviously their chemistry shines through but it does sort of feel like two people who recently met are hitting it off and like still have to tiptoe around each other in in these like when she like pees in the dresser because she has night terrors or whatever her thing is that whole scene I don't want to say it felt so real to me. I don't know what that will mean if I say it. But just like the way that all played out where like he didn't want to say anything to her and she didn't want to say anything to him. And they were obviously both so like concerned and upset. And that whole, I was just like, this is perfect. Everything about the way this went down made it funnier than than I can imagine it playing out in any other type of sitcom. Their acting is incredible. And, but like you said, very like low key and the chemistry is so good. I was happy to know I like knew after I watched the first two episodes that they were married. So I didn't know the whole time. And then I was happy to know that because it it does like add to the sense of, oh, these people are really good performers that it's like funny to know that they're married in real life. I would, I hope more people watch this. I feel like it's very under the radar. I wonder if this will be able to be seen. I guess not. Sorry. I'm, I started a sentence, but I was thinking about the fact that we mentioned this on a previous podcast. This show has been out for at least a year, um, but only available like in the UK and Australia. Actually, maybe mostly in Australia, but then it was available on Prime. Um, so they're re-airing episodes for the first time on a US-based streaming service, um, Paramount Plus. But so if you have a VPN, you can you could watch the whole first season out now. But they're releasing, I mean, sorry, they're they're um okayed for a second season. I don't know if they've started it yet. But I'm wondering if that will come soon, which will be exciting. I 
I don't want this to end. <laughs> I don't want to finish the first season and have nothing to watch. I know, but I wonder if they'll do the thing where like we get it in the US like a year later, like the second season will premiere there and then it'll yeah. for whatever reason takes so long for us to get it. That just happened with the Lazarus project. Like that was a British show and then it came on to TNT. I watched the whole first season. The second season just started airing like last week on Sky or whatever British channel, but like TNT is not going to get it until who knows when. Like, why? Why do it like that? Just give it to me. We don't have British citizenship and therefore <laughs> we are not allowed. Would that even work? Sad. I don't think that gets no, you a login. Just... I think you have to live there. No, no, no. Yes. Um, Can you imagine? Just have to move. You get a login just by applying with citizenship. <laughs> I Please let me watch this show. A citizen of the crown. Oh, I have watched The Crown. I forgot about it. <laughs> I wondered if you watched that. It, yeah. feel, it feels like people have lost interest. Like, I did not hear as much about that, about the new season as I thought I was going to. These last four episodes were interesting. I watched all of them. And I feel like a lot of the criticism has been people are getting bored. Where I, I can see that happening. It's, it's sort of a weird dichotomy because these episodes contain the source material that people are most familiar with, like the the late Diana years and when she was really being overcome by paparazzi and then her untimely death in Paris. Um, Spoiler alert, but also you live in the world. (laughs) So the, the subject matter I think is like really interesting to a lot of people. There are like, I mean, hordes of people obsessed with this story And so these four episodes, I think, are interesting to watch from that perspective. But the way, I don't know if they're just resting on the fact that it's fascinating source material, that they didn't put as much effort into, like, the the dialogue. Or it used to be when you watched The Crown, you, like, couldn't look away. It was one of those shows, sort of like Succession. You kind of had to sit and watch the scenes play out. You didn't want to miss something. There were really subtle, like, the acting was really good. There were, like, subtle uh power plays at play i don't know what i'm trying to say except that you you didn't want to miss the interactions between two people it was really telling of you know the emotional things that were happening in this buttoned up british family and this season didn't really have that so i was on my phone a lot more um but i did watch all of them i don't know i think the person playing diana is like a really good diana I, I don't know if it's maybe just the show's been on for a really long time and I'm I know more about this this story and so I'm not as needing to pay as much attention to know sort of like what the dynamics were that were playing out. That's probably some of it. I feel like some people are saying that it's boring, but it's just like they know some of these details already. I don't know. I've babbled enough about the, the these four episodes. I will I want to watch um the ones that come out after this, I think sometime in December, I should know that date off the top of my head, but I, I can understand why, why some are less thrilled. You've never watched the crown. Have you? I have not. Yeah. Do you let, do you know or care anything about, you know, Diana Charles, that whole situation? I think I'm more interested in watching this season than the past seasons because of like the little bit of knowledge I have. Yeah. Obviously like we heard about this stuff like growing up but it was also like before us so i think it'd be interesting to like learn more about it but i'm also like should i just watch a documentary like i feel bad being like i'd like to know more about this so i'm gonna watch the crown right (laughs) yeah that is a little bit of a weird 
situation. I, um, one thing that I really like, I mean, I would, I should also watch a documentary, but I think they're doing a really good job with the costuming. Like Diana's they're, they're taking a lot of uh, inspiration from actual looks and sometimes in some cases actually wearing the old dresses and, and stuff. And Diana, obviously fashion icon. So for that alone, it was fun to watch this, these four episodes, this, this season so far. I like Emma Corrin a lot. The first thing I've seen her in is uh, on that new show, A Murder at the End of the World. Obviously, she is Diana, and I, but I, and I haven't seen that. But Well, she's I... Diana in the first, when Diana first shows up. Wait, am I getting this wrong? Oh, is um, she not in this season? Di- Diana changes from when she is, when she first meets Charles to when she is the mother of. Oh, they um, get a new actress? They do, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I like, maybe I should watch season five they're on six right but they're on she's six, yeah. she's really good in a murder at the end of the world and i don't know if i've talked about that one on the podcast but i i did write a review in the newsletter but i need to catch up on that i liked the first two episodes a lot i liked emma corn in that a lot she was really good but the the current diana is elizabeth debicki she's also very good she's like crazy if i had if I didn't, maybe if I knew more about Diana and I'd watched like old interviews with her, I would have a different point of view. But I think everyone that is like more entrenched in that story has said that her mannerisms and the way she speaks and the way she like tilts her head when she speaks are all very reminiscent of Diana. It's, it's pretty crazy acting. Yeah. I think it's so cool when people can like mimic somebody's movements in a way yeah. that feels really natural. That's like the only thing I like about like biopics. I don't generally really like them. That's not really, I don't know, because I'm always like, why don't I just watch a documentary? But it is cool to watch somebody just like crush an acting performance. Okay, now we can talk about Christmas movies. I don't know. I feel like what what sort of detour did we take to get there? I would like to discuss Xmas because yes. I know you watched it because it was in the Sunday Sherry's. Did you watch and- it because it was in Sunday Sherry's or did you know it existed? I knew it existed. Prime like dropped into my like screeners account like way before it was time to watch Christmas movies. And some part of me was like, maybe because Leighton Meester, but also this sounds abysmally bad. And Sam was here, is here visiting, and we were trying to figure out what to watch. And we were fighting between watching a movie called Silent Night, I think is the name of it, with Kira Knightley. A horror movie? Oh. <laughs> I think it's a dark comedy. There is, I think, also a okay. horror movie, I think maybe coming out this week called Silent Night. I don't know. I went into a deep dive of, movie, of movies called Silent Night. And another movie that I can't think of the name of right now. Oh, it's called Better Watch Out that like nobody's ever heard of. And both Sam and Matt were like... Why do you know this movie? It's for whatever reason, it's been on my to watch list since it came out in 2017. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, do I want to watch this? Why is it on this list? Anyway, that's how we ended up with Xmas. That's the long story. (laughs) And dear God, it was so bad, Jenny. It was so fun to watch, though. If you go in knowing it's going to be bad. I did. I did. I always do with those movies. I go in with it's going to be corny. My expectations are low. My problem with this one versus like a Christmas Wait, also, Prince. You sat down and watched it. I put it on in the background while I baked. There's a difference there. There is a difference. <laughs> and maybe that's the key. So yeah, people can Sorry, take go, note of that. But go on. You were saying when they try so hard to be funny, 
and fail, that's what gets under my skin. That's where I start to be like, this is just painful. Whereas like a Christmas Prince or a Princess Switch are like so over the top, trying ridiculous, so hard to be cute. trying so hard to be cute. And mm-hmm. it's really just like it's way too corny. I don't mind that so much. Give me corny. I can handle it. The just terrible jokes. So like pandering to Gen Z nonsense jokes. Everybody in that movie completely lacks comedic timing. Not a single person in X-Mix. X-Mix. Can't do that one. Can deliver a joke. The oh, jokes I thought the mom they, could. The mom was the only one. I did make that statement at some point. But Robbie Amell and Layden Meester and the little sister would take a joke and just absolutely kill it. What are these people doing in this movie, by the way? Just like curious. Did you know this is a BuzzFeed production? I don't think these people can do much else. What are, what jobs are they getting? Is that what you mean? You think they're like no, I'm just declining confused. other jobs to be in I'm this? Just, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm just confused because Robbie Amell is not like short on work. He's in a relatively popular sitcom right now. He, that's I it. Guess, it. I guess that's it. <laughs> that's that, it. That is it. But, and it's not that popular. Yeah, I guess. But I just assume, you know, I guess I don't yeah. know anything about the pay structure of. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I there you you see I have another Christmas movie to talk about after this where I'm confused about all the people in it, but we can save that for a couple more minutes. I understand what you're saying. I didn't go in thinking like, oh, well, it's Leighton Meester and Robbie Amell. It's going to be like the next, I don't know, great Christmas movie that's actually good. I was just like, oh, a new movie (laughs) that is sort of silly and fun and goofy. And with that, with that perspective, I thought it was fine. I can't remember what I wrote about it in the uh, newsletter. I don't, you weren't extolling its virtues, but I just, I I definitely thought I was going to like it more than mm, I I'm did. Sorry. I thought it was going to be like a holiday or a love heart oh, where like the premise no, is stupid. good. <laughs> those are, those are both like bad, but, but, but not that bad. Like corny, obviously some corny jokes, but like generally the people in it are, they've got some sense of comedic timing. They're doing a decent job of performing. I actually am appalled at Leighton Meester's performance in this movie. Me too. But as we started talking about this show, I didn't notice it started snowing. So Xmas is a Christmas movie that people Wait, should watch. Wait, that's so fun. I'm jealous. It's very sunny here. It is sunny, <laughs> but it's snowing. Sorry. <laughs> we summoned it by talking about Xmas. Leighton Meester made it snow. Um, Yeah, she... I only have ever seen her in Gossip Girl and think of her as a good Blair. But I think that's just all, it was already over the top then. I've never seen her do anything where she's a a normal person. <laughs> I haven't either. And I can't say that I, I, I thought she was a fine Blair. She did a decent job. You're I mean, right. It was a teen show. She was supposed to be like. Yeah, it was very CW. Yeah. How, yeah. Has she, but she hasn't really been in anything since, I mean, that ended in like 2012. That's true. I like, like the idea of her and I wish she were better. That's like, we, we started the movie and Sam was like, oh, I love Leighton Meester. And the movie ends and I was like, do you? I might I might not love Leighton Meester anymore. But I think that's kidding. everybody. We do love you, Leighton Everyone Meester. our age like just loves her because of Gossip Girl. But like, yeah. I'm just saying, this is all to say, I think X-Mix is like, she needs, <laughs> she needs the work. 
I don't think either of these people, Robbie and Mel also are mm-hmm. doing this just for funsies. I think they need a paycheck. And also it's a job. I'm not begrudging them that. Get your money. Yeah. They didn't have any chemistry, if we're being totally honest. You also keep saying X-Mix as though it's Chex Mix, which I like. Um, <laughs> Is that why I'm saying that? I, can't I don't say. know. <laughs> it's so hard to say X-Mix. X-Mix. That is yeah. not easy to say, which is, I guess it's really just like, is that the play? It's like people shorten Christmas by doing Xmas. Exactly. Yeah. But I've never said Xmas aloud. But for for probably good reason. Yeah. I I can't remember. I, I think I watched another Christmas movie that was like so horrendously awful. Or, okay, there are two different types. There's the type that's like horrendously awful, but it is fun because you're watching with friends and you can make fun of it. And it's like the one, I think I sent you a clip of one and they were like are you going to the like annual christmas tree decorating uh, like i don't know race around the rosy extravaganza gala <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like when you've been see all the ones that are the low budget hallmark-esque or lifetime where it's like time for me to come home for christmas time for you to come home for christmas time for us to come home for christmas all of those you expect to be very bad and i think i watched a really bad one not expecting it to be really bad and then i watched x mist and i was like oh okay bad but like fine <laughs> fair i don't really do the truly low budget ones that to me mm. is like that has to be a purely a background movie and i haven't yeah. normally it's like matt and i are sitting down to watch a movie it's like what are we gonna watch like i'm not putting on home for christmas or whatever like nonsense hallmark movie it could be we watched yeah. california christmas we already talked about this but like our Christmas in California and that was like the closest I've seen on Netflix to just like a really really low oh, budget a horrendously movie. bad movie <laughs> and I was like I cannot believe we watched this we should have turned this off you know what we did turn off best Christmas ever the new one on Netflix it has Brandy and that blonde lady I can't think of her name they've been like pushing it down our throats on Netflix it's like probably still the number one movie on there but oh dear lord it was bad we turned it off after like 15 Yikes. minutes I watched a movie last night that Carter really enjoyed. I thought it was okay. Um, called This Is Christmas. Have you seen it? And no, I don't think so. Oh, well, wait till you hear this cast. Alfred Enoch, who plays Dean Thomas and a lot of other people, but we were just talking about Harry Potter. So um, he's also in the new, he's really in a lot of in TV shows lately. Um, Kaya Scoladario. Ooh, I love Skins. her. She's my favorite. I know you do. <laughs> Timothy Spall, who played um, not Spall as in S P O L L, but S P A L L, who played yes Scabbers and or Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter. Who else was in this? Like a lot of recognizable people, British, British. actors. It felt like it was trying to be a Love Actually part. Interesting. Whatever. Was because it good? Tell me more. It was cute i was a little bored um God. it was very there were some elements that i that made me tear up a little bit which is crucial for one of these movies it was no i don't maybe if i watched it when i was the age that i was when i first watched love actually i might have had a similar reaction to this but it was very much like um alfred enoch plays this character there he commutes into london every day and so he's on this long train ride and there are all these people that he sees every single day and there's like this voiceover at the beginning which is sort of like 
every stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet or something equivalent to that. And the whole premise is he thinks that all of these people that are regulars on this train, they see literally every day going in. It's like crazy that they never speak to one another. Um, he also has a like a mild crush on one girl that is on his commute. So like that sort of starts it off where he has like an exchange with her. But um, he has this ad agency and he has an idea for an ad where he's he wants to invite a bunch of people to a Christmas party or a Christmas dinner that have something in common like they all go to the same park or they all like like his situation all take the same commute every day where they have that one thing in common but they don't really know anything about one another and then set up a gathering where they can all meet and talk and get to know one another and just like expand their their friends and social encounters and just like have a better life and a lot of people think it's a dumb idea and then he spends the entire movie sort of trying to make it happen And so you see sort of like, love. actually, you see these people who have come together and then go apart, do their own thing, like two friendships form over here. And then like this person gets their little arc with like their boyfriend and then this. Yeah. So it's it's love actually in that way. I didn't think that the chemistry was great between Kaya Scaladario and Alfred Enoch, which was unfortunate because they're both beautiful. And um, I like both of them. Maybe it was just, I was distracted. Uh, but it was like very cute. It made me, like I said, made me tear up, made me misty eyed in a few choice spots. So I'd watch it. I'll put it on my list. I feel like the classic criticism of really any of these Christmas movies, most of the Christmas movies, low budget or higher budget. There's never any chemistry between the leads. Like, yeah, what's that? What, what's the casting process like here? Why is this happening? Uh, I don't know. They just miss that step. Aren't they supposed to do like a chemistry read? Or I'm you not think, in it. But maybe these I, two people are just like popular enough that they're like, well, people will like that they're both in it. Which, to be fair, yes, I did. I did like that they were both in it. It is why I want to watch it. So I, I think that's where they stop. They're like, oh, we got these two. Amazing. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. I would say, I'm sorry. I was just going to say like 6.5, 7 out of 10. That's my Okay. For a person (laughs) that doesn't like rating things, I'm very shocked you just did that. I know (laughs) you you don't like ranking things, but but still, I was was surprised. I also don't know what that means because we do letter grades. So like, (laughs) I don't, I literally don't know. Mm -hmm. For For a Christmas movie? like a b minus for like a regular movie like a c <laughs> like okay. a c minus interesting i'll take yeah. it i was gonna say i would like to do a poll i was gonna just say it out loud but i remembered we can actually put a poll on spotify at least i don't know if it like also goes other places i'm gonna do a poll about if people like love actually or oh. not because i've gotten okay i know it's one of my favorite movies not even just favorite christmas movies it is one of my favorite movies i love it so much i know that nostalgia is doing a lot there like if i watched it for the first time right now i think i would find it a little weird and a lot of the relationships are not super like cute and heartwarming like mm-hmm. i don't know maybe i would love it maybe i'm not giving it enough credit I watched it with Matt for the first time a few years ago and tried to like see what he was seeing because he hadn't seen it before. And I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. There's certain certain storylines are very strange. So I would like to know if the general public, like 
likes this movie or it doesn't. Like, I actually have no finger on the pulse of, like, how people feel about Love Actually. I know there's other people like me where it's, like, a nostalgic fave. But, like, are there haters? I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. 100%. So I would like to see, like, just a general breakdown. We'll do a what our audience feels about Love Actually. My either favorite Christmas movie or tied for first place with Elf which is also one of my favorite movies of all time, not just favorite Christmas movies. Elf is, yeah, Elf holds up. Elf is great in so many ways. Oh, Elf has haters for sure. People just sure. really don't like They're Will Ferrell. But I don't <laughs> yeah. generally love Will Ferrell movies, mm-hmm. but Elf to me is so different and I can't explain. Mm-hmm. I'll try to one day, I, I but in I this moment, I, I can't. I won't make you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, this, I would not call this a Christmas movie per se, but I do think it is a somewhat christmas movie because of the fact that christmas happens in it but um bridget jones's diary i watched in the last two weeks and had a great time i think the only time i've seen that movie was with you like 10 years ago and how did you feel about it i don't ever have to watch (laughs) it again so i felt it was fine (laughs) I yeah it was a great it, again it was because it's on Paramount Plus and I saw it and I was like you know what yes also there's that TikTok sound that's been going around I don't know why people have been maybe we have a different for you pages but um people have been taking that clip of her quitting her job and like yelling at Hugh Grant and you don't know what I'm talking about that's fine I don't but it's I, been 10 years also I don't think I've seen that on TikTok Got it. I kept seeing it and I was like, oh, this is a sign. I just saw that it was available. And so I'll watch. You know, it's not a Christmas movie and actually maybe more interesting to people. Maybe they love us talking about Christmas movies. Who knows? But we watched The Killer, which I was stoked about because David Fincher mm. is one of my faves. It's on Netflix. You made a face if you don't know it. Do you not know it? I, I was like, rings a bell. Haven't heard of it. Haven't seen it fair it came out a few weeks ago at this point i had been like there was a lot of anticipation for me as this was like a new david fincher movie who again like i really like it's michael fassbender as an assassin and from everything i've heard about it it was like okay, i think it's adapted from a graphic novel and i'd heard a lot of hype from like movie people obviously a lot of movie people just like david fincher but it had been i guess something he'd been trying to get made for a long time and like it was straight to Netflix, which was sort of interesting to me. Couldn't decide if that was a positive or negative, but I was definitely interested. I feel very meh about this movie, and I'm bummed about it. I really thought I was going to like it more. I'm it was. I really saw what he was trying to do, and it's very David Fincher. But uh, yeah, just like not didn't quite hit it, and I I need to spend more time thinking about before I can give a thoughtful analysis but I just remembered that I watched that and wanted to do a brief interlude to our Christmas movie discussion to talk about an assassin movie instead you know what's unfortunate uh that I think I'm pulling this from books but what you just said is like you know David Fincher well you said you know what he was trying to do but like it didn't didn't quite come to fruition the way you would have hoped I feel like it's a little bit of a um self-imposed curse if you consume as much content as we do both for books and movies where or and tv shows where you have certain expectations of like oh how this could be done well and if they if the the creator doesn't either surprise you or like execute it in a way that is 
uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily surprising is the right word, but like has the pacing exactly right. Has the like, I, I don't know what this assassin movie is supposed to be, but I'm, I'm thinking of books right now where I felt like, Oh, I really liked this concept. Um, I generally like this style it's just like whatever they did either with the two main characters didn't hit. And so I didn't like the like full story as much. Like there are some elements that just don't feel as finished or as done the way that you would have hoped they would be. And that sort of ruins the effect of the whole thing. Whereas if we didn't consume as much as we did and didn't have as many like preconceived hopes and wishes for the way stories were told and weren't spoiled with so many good, like almost perfectly executed things, <laughs> that we would enjoy our lives more that's just a theory <laughs> i i think about that all the time with thrillers because the f- books specifically because the first few thriller books i ever read were i think big little lies and girl on the train are like in mm. this era in this like decade of like thrillers most yeah. mostly like women driven thrillers i was stunned by those two books i thought they were masterpieces five stars i I read so many thrillers probably because I liked those two so much, but like two to three per month at least. And they're at this point so like formulaic. And if it's not like the best twists I've ever read or the most well-developed characters I've read, I'm like, this was like blah, 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 blah. Everything's blah. But those first two crushed it for me. And if I read them right now, how would I feel? They might be blah. I don't know. Yeah, you're just chasing that high. So that's tough. And I think it's tough as a critic because you want to recommend things in a way that's relatable to people. But when you consume so much content, you're going to be skewed. You're always going to be like a little bit different, I think. I mean, there's going to be some stuff that just like crushes it for everyone. It's really easy to be on the same page. But then with other stuff, I don't know, people tell me like they really liked it show or a movie that just came out. And yeah. I'll be like, oh, it was fine. But like, I understand they liked it more because they aren't comparing it to so much. I think that's why I like our newsletter and also doing this, like talking about shows on the podcast so much more than ranking or rating, because I know it's easier for people to glance at something and be like, oh, this got this number score. But the context, like when you include something in your review that is like, it is it is this way i liked it for this reason but if you're like this kind of person you might like you you can get so much more context of why a person liked parts didn't like parts sometimes you'll read a review and it'll be like i mean i've been guilty of this where it's mostly positive things and then the score is like a c or like a three out of five and you're sort of like where did that come from the the review itself i feel like is more important and like the context therein anyway sorry you didn't like this david venture movie as much but i still like a 3.5 out of 5 like i said i need to i need to stay with it longer i kind of like watched it and then forgot about it but no there's definitely more to be said about the topic we were just talking about that could probably be a whole rant by both of us but it's so hard to summarize a review in a number or a letter and i think that's a whole thing with like Rotten Tomatoes that I think about a lot because people go there to see like, oh, is this movie good? Not only are you taking a bunch of critics with thoughtful thoughtful reviews and like you said, there's a lot of nuance in the reviews and taking it to just a letter or a number, but then you're rolling up all the critics into 
not even an average, literally a like what percent of these reviews were positive, which I just find so baffling still. Yeah. Even if you, if you understand the system, it sort of makes sense, but no one does. Like people mostly go to Rotten Tomatoes thinking that they're seeing like an average score. Nobody knows what, how that credit score is. Like I didn't know until we started doing this. And then when I found out, I was like, that is not clear in the slightest. And it's different than how the audience score is math. I know. (laughs) So like truly it should be illegal. I, I hate it so much. I, whenever we, whenever this topic comes up of like how difficult, how nuanced reviews can be, it always makes me frustrated that we can't just like people who read our newsletter or who listen to our podcast that we can't just have them all on a session and just be like, what kind of shows do you like? Okay, let's go from there. Like, let's, let's do like a specific recommendation or like talk about what you would recommend to us because I want the context of every single person that I, that is reading, (laughs) reading our reviews so that I can speak specifically to them, but it's never going to happen. So I love um, when friends text me and they're like, I need a new show or a movie. I'm like, yes. And when they say, oh my God, when they give you the specifics, when they're like, hey, I had a friend, shouts out Vera, text me, hey, I have Apple TV plus for a month. Thanks to like, whatever, I don't know, some promotion. She was like, what shows should I watch if I like like this, this, and this, and gave me three different shows of three different genres. But she was like, these are my favorites. And then I was like, ooh, let me go. That's a dream text. It was amazing. I loved it. It's it's just more fun to do it that way. It's obviously it's useful to the masses to to write a review and put a letter on it, but it loses the nuance and that makes us sad. But instead of ending on a weird <laughs> rant about critics, are there any shows or movies we should end on? I don't know. Do you have one? I'm I'm scanning my watch list. I have watched Violent Night again. I don't think you've seen that, and I don't think you want to see that. No. But for people who want something very different than the other Christmas movies we were watching, Violent Night is like a edgier Christmas movie. It, I mean, it is just – it's kind of like – you know how John Wick is just like violence? Action on action. On action. <laughs> action start to finish. It's a different style of action, and for whatever reason in this moment, I can't think of a better corollary – John Wick's like not a perfect one, but there's also a lot more humor in Violent Night. It, it's definitely, it's not a comedy, but there there is humor to it, obviously, because it's like Santa is a killer, kind of. That's like not quite right, but I would recommend to people who can handle like blood, which normally I can't and I can do this one. So is it like a mixture? For, like, is it at all holiday related? Is there any cheer? It's set or there's their only fear. There's 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 cheer. There's like it's really hard to explain this movie without kind of like saying too much. Mm -hmm. Other than like it's it's very action heavy. There's blood, it's set on Christmas. There is a Santa element. And I would say in that way, there is also cheer. Okay. All right. (laughs) And there's not Um, a lot of fear. Like it's not a I wouldn't say it's like at all scary it's very just action interesting interesting yeah i don't know that i'll put that on my watch list i um i feel like there's nothing coming out between now and the end of december that i will be watching except maybe revisiting old shows continuing to watch these week by week buccaneers come from accounts etc etc but percy jackson and the olympians come out december 20th 
the way, that's been the only thing on our December show radar for it's months. It's so sad. It's like clearly somewhat influenced by the strikes because I think mm-hmm. there would have been stuff starting to fill in, but then obviously over the summer, like nothing got slotted. But there's really nothing. I keep checking, like, oh, maybe they had something that they just finished up and now they're going to release it. And no. So I think when you're here this weekend, we should do our top 10 shows of the year, knowing that, Ooh. like, we're not going to really miss much in December. Like, pretty much everything's out. Yeah, we'll be Maybe like Spotify. In person, which would be fun. That will yeah, be fun. Doing our wrapped on yeah, December 1st. Yeah, our Spotify wrapped, yeah, on December 1st. Wow, that's coming up. I wonder what I've been listening to. Just Olivia <laughs> Rodrigo. Oh, I was going to say only Boy Genius for me. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. I can't wait to do a live pod in person. And do Christmassy stuff. And do Christmassy stuff. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And like we said at the beginning of this episode, like, comment, subscribe, all of that stuff, and share us with friends. And happy Thanksgiving and happy holiday season. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 